Welcome to the Maple Grove Scripture Reading Podcast, Episode 4, Exodus 10 through 29. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Scripture Reading Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Spencer, and today we are going to continue with our discussion of Exodus. Now, how was this week's reading? I'll give you some of my thoughts in a minute, but you can let me know what you thought on the episode page for episode four at maplegrove.church slash read scripture. So last week we ended talking about the first seven plagues against the Egyptians, and today we're going to pick it up in chapter 10 with the last three and then the Exodus. Now we've had seven plagues so far, which we had water turned into blood, the plague of all the frogs, the gnats, the flies, all the livestock dying, everybody getting boils, and then hail falling on Egypt. And now in chapter 10, Moses and Aaron, they're going to go back to Pharaoh and ask him again to let God's people go, or there will be a plague of locusts. Even Pharaoh's officials are saying that, you know what, it's not really worth it anymore. Look at uh, chapter 10, verse 7, where it says, Pharaoh's officials said to him, how long will this man be a snare to us? Let the people go so that they may worship their God. Do you not yet realize that Egypt is ruined? So even Pharaoh's officials are sitting there thinking, look, this is terrible. Our entire way of life has gone to pot pretty much because of what's been happening. You know, these seven plagues so far have been pretty awful if you really think about it. I mean, all of the water of the Nile turned into blood. Um, frogs and gnats and flies everywhere, uh, you know, all the livestock dying. That that would be terrible for trying to run a country if all of your livestock died. And, and then you have the other two, everybody getting boils and then having hail in Egypt, which I'm not real sure what the climate of Egypt is, but everything I see is always like sand and desert. So it seems like hail would be... Uh, a thing that would be a little difficult to to wrap your mind around if you were an Egyptian. So even Pharaoh's officials are trying to get him to just let the people go, let the Israelites go, and, and then just quit worrying about them, and we'll find more slaves or something like that. I don't know. And Pharaoh even tries to do that, like, but he, he wants to do it as a compromise. He wants to say, okay, all of your men can go. But Moses isn't buying it. Moses doesn't want that. That's not what he asks. That not, that's not what God asked him to do. And so he says, no, the women and children have to go as well, as well as the livestock. And Pharaoh balks at that and says, okay, if it's not just going to be the men, then none of you are going to be able to go. So yet again, he he hardens his heart. Actually, this time, this is part of the second half where, where God is starting to harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will not let them go. That leads us to them getting a plague of locusts, and then the next plague, which we will look at in, in chapter 10, verse 21, where it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand toward the sky so that darkness will spread over Egypt. Darkness that can be felt. Have you ever been in a place that dark where it's just like you can feel the the oppression or you can just feel the darkness because you know you just can't you you can't see 
anything. And and that's what God is saying that he's going to do to the Egyptians. He's going to bring on this plague of darkness. Now, what I find interesting here is that Moses and Aaron did not even go to Pharaoh here in this for this plague, every other plague, they've gone to Pharaoh, they've they've warned him, they've said, let our people go, otherwise you will see the hand of God um, come on with a plague. And so this time, they, they didn't get that. They did not go to Pharaoh. Just immediately in verse 22 says, so Moses stretched out his hand toward the sky, and total darkness covered all Egypt for three days. No one could see anyone else or leave the place leave his place for three days, yet all the Israelites had light in the places where they live. This is our our ninth plague. You have the plague of darkness, and we're about to get to the tenth plague, which is the one that will finally get Pharaoh to let the Israelites leave his country, and that is the plague of the firstborn. Uh, where all the firstborn sons would be taken. And and this is kind of, well, not kind of, I think this is God's retaliation against the Egyptians and especially against Pharaoh for what he did to the Israelite children where he had the firstborn sons or he had all of the sons of the Israelite children killed. But he does not do that here with the Israelites, of course, because God always provides a way out for the Israelites in all of these plagues. And what this plague did was this instituted, and you can read about it in chapter 12, or you read about it this week in chapter 12, this institutes the Passover, the Passover meal and the the celebration, the remembrance of the exodus for the Israelites in the future. And what they were to do is they were to take a a year-old lamb, a, a male lamb that was without defect for a sacrifice. And then in verse 7 of chapter 12, it says, And they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the doorframe of the houses where they eat the lamb. Now, why would they do that? Well, because the Lord was going to strike down all of the firstborn in Egypt. In verse 12, on that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn, both men and animals, and I will bring judgment against the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. But the reason that they put the blood up there is answered in verse 13. The blood will be a sign for you. On the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. And that's what happens. This happens. Verse 29 at midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn in Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh, who sat on the throne, to the firstborn of the prisoner, who was in the dungeon, and the firstborn of the livestock as well. Pharaoh and all his officials and all the Egyptians got up during the night, and there was loud wailing in Egypt, for there was not a house without someone dead. And so Pharaoh lets them go. And in verse 36 of chapter 12, the Lord had made the Egyptians favorably disposed toward the people... And they gave them what they asked for, so they plundered the Egyptians. Not only are the Israelites freed from captivity, but they also plunder the Egyptians. And in a minute, we're going to talk about, actually, 
in uh, verse 41, I also want to mention that it says, At the end of the 430 years, to the very day, all the Lord's divisions left Egypt, because the Lord kept vigil that night to bring them out of Egypt. On this night, all the Israelites are to keep vigil to honor the Lord for generations to come. Now, this 430 years, that's important because if we go back to Genesis chapter 15, I think we mentioned this last week too. If we go back to Genesis chapter 15, look at verses 13 through 16, where it says, Then the Lord said to them, No, this is the Lord talking to Abraham and and with his covenant to Abraham. This is part of it where it says, Then the Lord said to them, Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a country, not their own, and they will be enslaved and mistreated 400 years. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterward they will come out with great possessions. A number of years before the Exodus, God prophesied that this was going to happen. I mean, God knows that it's going to happen. He's God. But God's letting Abraham know that they are going to be, for around 400 years, they're going to be enslaved and mistreated. And they were, 430 years to be exact, as we see in Exodus. But afterward, they will come out and with great possessions. So you see that the Israelites do come out after 430 years, and they plundered the Egyptians, so they're coming out with possessions, which is pretty amazing. Okay, so the Israelites leave, and Pharaoh lets them go, but eventually Pharaoh's heart hardens again, and he pursues the Israelites with an army. And as soon as the Israelites heard about this, they were afraid. Which is crazy to me, because there is a pillar of cloud and fire leading them. You see that back in chapter at the end of chapter 13. That, that is God leading them. He went, it says in, in verse 21 of chapter 13, By the day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar by, of fire by night left its place in front of the people. So it's, it's not like the people couldn't see God, but they, they didn't put their trust in him again because they got afraid as soon as Pharaoh is getting closer. It says in verse 10, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, Leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. I, I just find this unbelievable because they can see the things that God is doing. They could see all of these plagues that affected the Egyptians but did not affect them. They, they could see all of this, and yet they were still afraid when Pharaoh came. They didn't have their trust in God. They, they started to blame Moses. They said it would be better to go back to Egypt and live as slaves there rather than what they perceived would be dying in the desert. They didn't really think of a third option 
and that God would save them. And yet, even still, God shows his mercy and love and grace for his people because he he provides them with a way out. And, and of course, that is the very famous story. You've probably seen the movies or anything of the parting of the Red Sea. And so they have they witness this amazing feat that God did by parting the Red Sea, and yet it still doesn't take very long for the Israelites to lose heart yet again, to grumble yet again. In chapter 16, verses 2 through 3, it says, In the desert the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. So they don't even want to be slaves anymore. They would rather have died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. And then it says, there we sat with pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted, but you brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. So again, amazing feats that they have witnessed. Ten plagues that affected them, or that did not affect them in Egypt, but affected the Egyptians. A pillar of fire and and smoke that is going before them every day in constant view i would i would suspect and and the parting of the red sea and yet the israelites are grumbling because they've gotten hungry and and they believe that they're going to starve out in the desert it doesn't take much it seems for the israelites to to start grumbling against the lord but, but again, God shows his provision for his people because this is the introduction of manna, this kind of bread from heaven that, that came about after, in the mornings that they would collect for one day and then uh, one day only, otherwise it would go bad. And then you they had quail come in the evening, so they had meat to be able to eat. And so the Israelites... You know they 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 grumbled against God, but God God is still faithful, and and that is just that's <laughs> an amazing lesson to learn that that yes the Israelites grumbled against God, but He was faithful to them. He He was keeping His promise because He is a promise keeping God. God made this promise to Abraham, and He kept His promise. These are Abraham's descendants, and so. God is keeping a promise by keeping them alive and providing for them. But again, it doesn't take much longer. In chapter 17, we're only going one chapter, and we see, again, they are arguing and grumbling with Moses. In chapter 17, verse uh, verse 2, so they quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. Moses replied, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? That is such a good question. (laughs) Why do we quarrel and why do we put the Lord to the test? I mean, it's a question that, that works for us today just as it was when Moses asked it of the Israelites then. And and even Moses is getting to a point where he is exasperated with the people, where in verse 4 it says, uh, uh, says the, Then Moses cried out to the Lord, What am I to do with these people? They're almost ready to stone me. But the Lord answers Moses, Walk on ahead of the people, take with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile, and go. I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. 
Strike the rock, and water will come out of it for the people to drink. And so Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel, and he called the place Massa and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Wow. Yet again, <laughs> I just can't get over this fact that they could see the Lord. They could see this pillar of fire, this cloud of smoke that that was leading them. And <laughs> it's just amazing to me that they continually questioned the Lord. So let's flip over to chapter 20. And chapter 20 gives us the introduction of the Ten Commandments. And and then with the rest of chapter 20 and 21 through uh, 23, you start seeing the laws being given to the Israelites. But what I want to get to is is chapter 24. We're in chapter 24. The Moses goes and, and tells all of the people the law. Let me read verse 3 to you. When Moses went and told the people all the Lord's words and laws, they responded with one voice. Everything the Lord has said, we will do. So what we're seeing here is we're seeing the law being given to the people and the covenant being confirmed with them, that they are saying that they will follow the Lord's law. Everything the Lord has said, we will do. Now that's important to remember because we're going to see that we're not going to follow the law, that, that sin is still very rampant. In fact, it will be... It will be this next week that we're going to see just a, a terrible, terrible thing that happens with a golden calf. But at this point, though, it's very cool to see the Israelites all agree that they will do everything the Lord has said. And so that that's that's important. That's important to realize. It's important to see. Chapters 25 through 28, they talk about the preparation of the construction of the tabernacle, a portable tabernacle. And that's the place where God's presence would dwell with the Israelites as they traveled to the promised land. And I want to read from chapter 29, verse 45, to just kind of conclude our section here on Exodus this week. Chapter 29, verse 45 and 46. This is. So cool. God is saying, Then I will dwell among the Israelites and be their God. They will know that I am the Lord their God who brought them out of Egypt so that I might dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. What a great way to end this section, just to remember that. We have it a little bit different today because there's no temple, there's no tabernacle. Most of us that are probably listening to this are actually Gentiles and not Israelites. And yet, we are God's people because we believe in his son, Jesus. And through his death, burial, and resurrection, we are able to go to God directly. Not through a tabernacle, not through a another person. We have God with us through the Holy Spirit, through Jesus, through the Father. And and that's an amazing thing. That and that's an amazing thing to remember. And so this is this is still cool. That they will know that I am the Lord their God, who brought them out of Egypt, so that they might dwell among them. 
He could say the same thing about you. Egypt could just be your sin. The way you were before, uh, before you accepted the gift of Christ and became a follower of his. And that is, that's the awesome thing. He is the Lord, your God, brought you out of your Egypt, whatever that was, and he might dwell among you. He is the Lord, your God. And that is, that is awesome. Finally, the last thing I want to look at is Psalm 25, verses 4 through 5. And I think this is a great place to end today's podcast where he says, Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are my God, my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Let that be your prayer this week, that... You just ask the Lord to show me your ways, teach me your paths. As you're reading through this scripture plan, just pray that this week. Guide me in your truth and teach me. Every day, just pray that as you are going through scripture. And and I think that you will be very blessed by what he shows you and reveals to you through his scripture. Thanks again for listening, and we will see you next week as we finish up Exodus this next week, and then we are going to start getting into the next book, which is Leviticus. Thanks again. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to the Maple Grove Christian Church Scripture Reading Podcast. You can find out more information about our church at our website at www.maplegrove.church. You can also follow us on social media at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at MGCCBtown. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and the Google Play Store. Thanks again for listening.